Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. Joshua's time was coming to an end. He wanted to encourage Israel in their faith and discourage a half-hearted commitment to the Lord. He reminded them that serving God under a covenant would bring blessing, but there also would be consequences for disobedience. And now here is part three of Cheryl's message titled, Remember. Why should I keep trash? Why should I keep useless things that can't do anything for me but might be a stumbling block for my children? Now, it's shocking to me as I I read this that they still have some idols, that they've still been holding on. Maybe not worshiping, but holding it as a backup plan. Well, if God doesn't come through, I've always got my idol. But he's saying it's time to fully and exclusively worship and serve the Lord. Joshua then gives them an ultimatum in verse 15. After this reminder of God's greatness, goodness, and generosity toward them, Joshua offers them a choice. It must be one or the other, but not both. You cannot serve God and your idols. One has to move. They can choose, option one, they can serve the gods on the other side of the river. They can serve the Egyptian gods, the Amorite gods, or the Chaldean gods that Abraham and his family, his father served or the gods of the land, or they can respond and serve the Lord God who called Abraham, fulfilled his word and promises, made them a nation, delivered them from bondage, drowned their greatest enemy, led them and sustained them through the wilderness, fought for them, brought them into the land, gave them houses, land, cities, vineyards, and groves. To me, it's a no-brainer. You know? Serve the gods of these defeated enemies, of those who drowned in the Red Sea, or serve the living God who has done all these great things for you. You know, I think of it kind of like a custody battle, you know? Like you can live with your heavenly father who has done all these great things for you. Or you can choose the wicked stepmother I'm sorry if you're a stepmother, you're not wicked. This one was, the worldly one is. Who is abusive, who ignores you, who never takes your phone calls. And really, she's actually buried in a grave someplace. Which one? Joshua's resolve is clear. He says, as for me, here's his response. And his resolve, as for me and my house, we're going with the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. As I'm looking at both options, I've already chosen the Lord, and so is my whole household. 
Then the people give their resolve. It's gone from a response, now it's a resolve. Verses 16 through 24, the people respond. Oh, first response. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. I love that. Far be it from us. We'll put them away. At this point, they're saying it's not even a consideration. These other gods, they're not even a consideration. We'll do it, Joshua. We want to do it. Far be it from us to go to those empty gods of the defeated nations. And then the people themselves recall the work of the Lord. Verses 17 through 18. It's the Lord, our God. He's the one who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt. God brought us out of bondage. God did the great signs in our sight. God preserved us in the way when we went among the people we passed. The Lord drove them out before us. Joshua then reminds the people of the exclusivity of serving God in verses 19 through 20. He reminds them again. Again, this is the second reminder. You cannot serve the Lord and other gods because the Lord is a holy God. He is separate. He is set apart. He's unique. He's unlike any of the gods of this world. And the Lord is a jealous God. That word jealous actually means exclusive. It can be translated exclusive as easily as jealous. He's an exclusive God. Now, I hope that my husband, Brian, and I know he is, he's an exclusive husband. He is mine alone. And, you know, just because some of you are pretty cute, I just want to remind you of that. But I don't think you'd be at the women's ministry if you were after Brian. I know who those women are. We call them the casserole women because when the wife dies, they're the first one at the door with a casserole for the husband. (laughs) My mom used to joke about the casserole women that would be lining up around the block if anything ever happened to her. But the Lord is an exclusive God. And Joshua tells him he will not forgive those who transgress or sin. Here's the sin by turning away from him and serving other gods. Why? Because there is no blessing, there is no grace, there is no forgiveness apart from God. This is it. You're turning to emptiness and expecting God to bless the emptiness, to bless the idolatry, to bless the rebellion. He can't. There is no forgiveness. There is no grace apart from God. None. Now for the second time, the people declare their resolve to serve the Lord. First in verse 18, we will serve the Lord for he is our God. Now, second time, verse 21, no, but we will serve the Lord. It's almost like reverse psychology, huh? Joshua's like, no, I don't think you can. Yes, we can. I'm not sure of it. Yes, we can. Joshua presses the importance of their resolve and commitment in verse 22. He wants them to know the seriousness of the resolve that they're making. He says, you are witnesses. It is not a decision by coercion. It's not to be of the moment. It is to be reasoned out after remembering and considering the options and the benefits of each option. Putting away the foreign gods, it's time to finally get rid of them completely so you can't go back to them. 
And then they are to incline their hearts to the Lord. In other words, their reliance, their first response is now to be the Lord, the Lord. You know, as you grow in Christ, one of the most awesome things is when your inclination becomes to pray. Something terrible happens and you go, let's pray. You know, or you could be my mom who would just be praying. We'd be like, oh, she's praying. She's not talking to us. You know, just that response. And that's what Joshua is talking about. That inclination towards the Lord. That when crisis or when blessing, when an enemy, no matter what happens, right away, it's to call upon the Lord. It's their first thought. It's their first movement. Now for the third time, in verse 24, the people declare, the Lord our God, we will serve in his voice. We will obey. Now Joshua creates another memorial because again, God knows we need reminders. Think of the memorials they already have, that they've already done on this side of the Jordan, inside the Jordan, you know, in Gilgal, this side of the Jordan, But they also need the memorial of fellowship to be with people who remember what the Lord has done. They need the feasts of the Lord and to come back to the tabernacle at least three times a year to commemorate together all that God has done. They need the tabernacle, this this tent that has come all the way through the wilderness with them as a reminder of God's faithfulness and his presence and his reality. And they need God's word, those commandments, these physical reminders. So Joshua creates another memorial in verses 25 through 28. He takes a large stone and rolls it under an oak tree by the sanctuary of the Lord. And he announces, I love this. Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us for it has heard all the words of the Lord, which he spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. Aren't stones interesting things? They seem so lifeless. Yet this one heard the words of the Lord, the declaration, the resolve of the people. It was a witness and it would be a memorial. You know, I think about, I wonder before the great white throne, if they'll, if these people be like, no, I lived a good life. All right, that's it. Roll the rocks in, bring them all in. And I think this is incredible because I remember when Jesus was making his triumphant entry. Remember that? In Luke chapter 19, and the Pharisees said, do you hear your disciples and all the multitude, what they're saying about you? And he said, yes. And if they kept quiet, what? The very stones would cry out. That's right. When I walk down the Mount of Olives, you know, I like to think, because it's kind of bedrock you're walking on now. I like to think, oh my goodness. Oh, what you would have shouted. What you're dying still to bear witness to and still cry out. Careful what you say in front of rocks. (laughs) The nation of Israel continued to walk with the Lord, we're told, after the death of Joshua, who was 110 years old, who was buried in the Mount of Ephraim, again, a memorial, because that was the very mountain that he told the other Ephraimites that they were to take cut down the wood, defeat the enemy, and take possession of. 
That's where he's buried. After the death of Eliezer, the priest who was buried in Ephraim, after the bones of Joseph are buried in the land allotted to him by Jacob, the very land that Jacob said, this is yours. I bought it while I was living in Shechem and it's yours. Another testament to the fidelity of God's word and work. And while the elders who outlived Joshua still lived, they remembered the works of the Lord and all he had done for Israel. And they continued to respond to the Lord and walk with the Lord. As long as there were those who remembered, as long as there were memorials. It is vital that we remember, that we remember God, all he is, his character, what the Bible declares about God, because he's exclusive, because you cannot add to his character and you cannot take away or diminish from his character. He is God, exclusively God, holy God. It is important to remember all he has done for you personally and all that he has done according to his word, because this testimony is our testimony because of all he has promised, because it's not the end of the story. There is still more to come, more promises, more glory, more blessings in the days ahead. Forgetting is eternally detrimentally detrimental, but remembering is not only uplifting, but it affects our response. Will we respond in faith or fear? All depends on whether we remember. It is crucial to our resolve. If we remember, we will resolve to serve the Lord. But if we forget, we will be tempted to serve the culture, the pressures, and the gods of this land. In order to remember, we need to fill our lives with reminders. We need reminders because we are all prone to forgetfulness. In Revelation 2.5, when Jesus was speaking to the Ephesian church, and they looked so holy from the outside, and they were so righteous, and they did so many things right. But the most integral, most important thing was to remember their first love, to remember God, to remember love, love. You know, they had gotten so into the rules and the regulations, and they had gotten so into qualifying and disqualifying people that they had forgotten the first love, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is like unto it. It's of equal proportion to love your neighbor as yourself. God puts them on par because if you do truly, as John says in his epistle of 1 John, if you truly love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you will love your brethren. You just will. And if you don't love your brethren, it's a sign that something is disconnected in your love for God. It's this that they forgot. In all their desire to be right before God, they had forgotten the most essential thing. You see, we need these reminders. If the Ephesian church, a church that Paul established, a church that Paul wrote an epistle to, a church that was pastored by both John, the disciple of Jesus, and Timothy, needed to 
be reminded how much more we need reminders. Now, there are those who think they can go without church. Obviously, you're not among them. But maybe you need to remind them that they need church, just like the Israelites needed the tabernacle. You need the assembly of God's people. You need fellowship. Peter says that without fellowship, that we'll start thinking that trials are strange and we're the only one going through such a thing. But you come and you fellowship and you find people who have been through the exact same thing. I was out at pastor's wife's gathering, senior pastor's wife's gathering. And the year before, a friend of mine had come and she was brokenhearted because her daughter had died um, from cystic fibrosis. Her daughter had defied all the odds, lived into her 30s, had two children. And they just expected that just to continue. And then her daughter had died suddenly and she came so broken. This year, she came whole and she sat next to, at our first meeting, this young woman. And this young woman said to her, Franks, did you have a daughter named Leah? And she said, yes, she's with the Lord. And the woman next to her said, Leah was my roommate in Bible college and one of my best friends. And I thought, you know, only God, only God can do something like that. The girl who was talking had come over all the way from Scotland. Isn't that just God? But fellowship, fellowship reminds us you're not alone. You're not alone. And then songs, there's songs. I love the way songs provoke memories. Some songs you're like, I remember. I remember the situation. I remember that. Or sometimes they just remind you right now in your circumstance, this is who God is. And this is who you are in God. And he cares. Hymns, which remind us of the doctrine of God. Christian books that remind us of how God is working in people's lives and how he's worked in our lives. God's word, of course. Of course, we need the Bible. Journals. Journals are awesome. If you don't do a journal, that's okay. But if you do a journal, it's awesome. Some of you film everything. I think there's going to be like grandchildren that think that grandma has a, 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 you know, a rectangle right here on her face, you know, or over one eye at all times, you know, because of how we film our grandkids, right? We need these. Momentous. Momentous. Not that we become hoarders, but I like to collect mugs and dish towels from the places I go. You know, that's my thing. I'm like, oh, here's a dish towel. Here's a mug. Actually, Brian collects the mugs. I collect the mugs for Brian and I collect the dish towels for myself. And yes, I do use those dish towels. You might collect jewelry. That might get a little expensive, but that's kind of cool. But I love those conversation pieces where you say to someone, oh, I like your necklace. This necklace? This necklace. I said that to a woman just on Monday. I said to her, oh, I like your earrings. These earrings, they are made by this tribe in Africa. And she has this whole story of how they brought the gospel to this tribe and now how they're supporting themselves by making this jewelry and how they're, they've been persecuted. And I mean, it was just this testimony. And I was like, is it safe to say I like your bracelet or not? You know, is that, and she's like, oh, now this bracelet is from the Philippines. And 
She was like a living testimony of what God had done all over the world. It was, it was pretty cool. I love those conversation pieces that are catalysts to remembering what our God has done. Even scriptures. Maybe when God has done something or fulfilled a promise to have somebody you know who's artistic, draw it out or write it out. Or if you find it at the sidewalk sale, to buy it and put it up. As an Ebenezer, hitherto the Lord has helped us. Because when we remember all that God has done and compare it to what the world offers us, we have only one response and one resolve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I have found that when I am scared, overwhelmed, or grumpy, I must consciously recount God's personal involvement in my life, even going back as far as a testimony of my mother's salvation and my father's call to the ministry. I need to remember, remember. And when I do, it affects my response, how I respond to people how I respond to situations, how I respond to fear. It affects my response. And it absolutely affects my resolve and how I order and what I do with my life. I would urge you, because of what Jesus Christ has done for you, because he came and died on the cross, that you might have forgiveness, that you might have all the promises of God, I would really urge you to serve the Lord. So say back to me, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know if you can do it. God is an exclusive God. You're going to have to put down those idols. Amen and amen. Some of you are really good. You know, some of you are like, whatever you want, Cheryl. Some of you are really good. You know, awesome. May the Lord bless you. May he walk before you. May he send hornets against your enemy and clear the path that you might be established. May he establish you in all his promises. May he give you even more promises and more encouragement and more fulfillment. May he open your eyes as they've never been opened before to see his glory, to feel his love, to know his presence and to recognize his presence in the room and for you. May you feel his presence in the car. May you feel his presence in the kitchen. May you feel his presence on the road. May you feel his presence while you lay down on your bed. And when you wake up first thing in the morning, may you hear the words, you are mine and you are beloved and I am for you and not against you. May you feel his presence in the living room. May you feel his presence every time you walk into church. May God give you armloads of friends that become family in Christ. May God meet your every need with his riches in glory. And may you know 
that you know that you know that the Lord is for you. May he bring all the prodigals back to himself and raise them up as spiritual leaders and evangelists to this next generation. May God be God and do what only God can do because of Jesus Christ. Our faith is built up and strengthened when we remember what God has done. When we compare it to what the world offers us, we have only one response and one resolve, and that is to agree with Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The greatest thing we can remember is what Jesus Christ has done for us. He came and died on the cross so that we might have forgiveness of our sins and come into all the promises of God. His presence and power are available to us now, and we have a great hope and future ahead, eternity with Him. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look at the importance of faith as we begin a new series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.